Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Jack Luke and today I'm joined by Stan Portis, who's been with us for quite some time on Bike Radar, but is making his debut on the podcast today. Last week, Stan spoke to both Cycling UK and Chris Boardman, who have both been present at the COP26 Climate Conference, who discussed a little bit around cycling and the fact it wasn't really discussed at this year's conference. So Stan, we'll get stuck right in. How are you today? And give us an overview of your piece that ran on site. Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you, Jack. It was very good to be on the Bike Radar podcast for the first time. Yeah, so last week I spoke to Cycling UK and Chris Boardman, who um, are both going up to, or were, we should say COP26 is over. They they were at COP26 last week for um, the transport day on the 10th of November. And Chris Baldwin and Cycling UK were both up to try and put, or, or make, make a noise around cycling and get it onto the agenda, or at least get some attention on cycling as a means to help people reduce emissions. Because... The summit day on the 10th of November, the focus was all on electric vehicles and particularly cars. So, yeah, it was somewhat disappointing to see that cycling, and we should mention as well that walking as well as train transport, were neither were on the agenda for the transport day. And, you know, while we have a very much vested interest in encouraging cycling, not least because people will read Bike Radar for bike reviews if uh, more people are cycling, but it is as you know, a way to reduce emissions for individuals. It's very, very low-hanging fruit, isn't it? Cycling is a low-hanging fruit to help people cut emissions. And I think 24% of all CO2 emissions are directly from fuel combustion transportation. So switching from driving a car for small journeys to walking or cycling or getting public transport is a really easy way for people to cut down their, their overall CO2 emissions. And obviously cycling is great and it has loads of benefits beyond just motor transport. It helps you keep healthy or helps with well, general well-being. So it's kind of a way to, one, reduce CO2 emissions, but then it has a lot of other benefits attached to it as well. So it's a low-hanging fruit, but you kind of, the benefits you get from encouraging people to switch from cycling, from driving, uh greatly beneficial in lots of other ways and you know that comes to things like people feeling better because they're exercising but then also reducing emission uh, emissions and pollution in cities which obviously is is great it's the as goal well. it's the goal yeah, completely goal. i think the thing though that uh, certainly chris boardman said in your interview with him and many others have said is that the problem with walking and cycling is it's not a big sexy thing to talk about and 
you know, asking people to do more of it demands a change of their day-to-day behaviours. Whereas electric cars, which very, very much have been the focus of the uh, the summit as a whole, you know, they're great for photo opportunities for politicians who want to show a bit. But, you know, more practically speaking, they don't really demand a huge change in people's lifestyles. And, you know, that feels like the real crux of the issue as a whole. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a conflict between two different things that are happening with it, which is switching to electric cars don't require people to change their behaviours. And I think like in, in the piece I cite a YouGov poll that says only 43% of people would even switch to an electric car. Mm-hmm. So there's a barrier from for people switching to a green equivalent of dri- or relatively green equivalent to driving before you even get them out of cars and get them cycling and walking. But then the other thing that's going on with that is in order to make electric cars viable, you have to change infrastructure in quite a substantial way. So what do you do? Do you put charging points in front of everyone's house? Do you put them on a street? Where does where does that where does that happen? And that's a huge, you know, you can you can ride a bike on the road, pavement, maybe not, but mm-hmm. whatever. And it's a very easy way and quick way to change what's happening in a city and how people are trying getting around and consequently reduce emissions. But the other thing I say is the other as soon as you start investing that money into um, electric cars and you start putting that infrastructure in place. This Chris Boardman talks about this in the piece, or you know, when I when I spoke to him, he talked about this, is you're baking in car use. Yes. So as soon as you put that money in and as soon as you make driving the priority or the solution you're you're setting that in for years to come. Yeah. So yeah. we might have to go through this process again if it goes down the electric car route where we go okay actually this isn't this isn't working this isn't sustainable. However, we've already invested all this money into it. Mm-hmm. So we're stuck with it now. And at current kind of levels, you know, Cycling UK say they want to see 10% of the UK's transport budget going towards uh, cycling as a whole and you actually answered it in a very good comment I, ra- I rather enjoyed underneath the article on the site. And the number is nothing close to 10%, is it? No. I mean, it's really hard to actually pin down what, what, what levels of investment we're talking about. Because I read, I read the budget, this year's budget. I'm very sorry to hear that. <laughs> I know. It was, it was incredibly dry and boring. <laughs> um, but I think they're putting 51, 51 billion into transport in the UK this year or whatever the time frame is. And then Cycling UK said at the moment they're just putting in about two billion towards active transport and cycling. So that's about four percent. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think like and the other thing I put in that comment was just as a point of comparison, that figure in England translates as about I think it's eight it's eight pounds forty per person. Per person per year. And then as as a point of reference, Scotland, £21 per person annually. And then by 2025, they want that figure to be £58.50. Yeah. Wales is £23 per person annually. So, you know, England is particularly behind. Yeah, at the risk of gloating, you know, well... What do you expect in a <laughs> paradise north of the border? But I did. I, I wanted. I wanted to bring that fact up just to give you that. Just give me that wee moment of joy. Yeah. 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 And you know, I. I just. You know, I'm certainly not a city planner, but when we go back to the point in infrastructure for electric cars, you know, I, there's. 
the just the sheer cost, the thought of the cost of putting all of this infrastructure in place is absolutely bewildering. And no doubt there will be because there's a great deal of private investment to go alongside with it. There's going to have to be people to deliver these services to make electric cars work in cities. And I've no doubt that plays a large part in why it's being pushed as the, the solution. Whereas with cycling, you know, it's it's not a, an easy one to kind of get that investment for. And one thing that Boardman says in there and how that translates in terms of advocacy is there's no real unified voice for the cycling industry as a whole. Whereas I think the car industry you know, as they are all tra- just tra- transitioning to electric cars, it's a much, much more lucrative opportunity for them than necessarily encouraging cycling. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I think I think the lack of unity within cycling around these things is uh, is definitely part of it. Car industry worth loads more money, loads mm. more investment, uh, and and then consequently they've got that weight. And I think. I've also spoken to brands where, you know, I think the thing with cycling is because it's a green mode of transport, I think people can get a bit lackadaisical around what they need to do, you know, because they've almost got a free pass around. Mm. We're a green mode of transport. That's enough. Yeah. End of conversation. And as long as people are riding bikes, that's great, which is, it is great. Mm -hmm. But, um, it it's almost it almost falls down because its image isn't bad. Mm. Its image is good, mm-hmm. therefore it doesn't really need to do much. Car industry has to do something. Yeah, it has to do something because people know it's bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is all very doom and gloom, and you know we should say that Boardman, he's the uh, cycling commissioner. Is that his title for in Manchester? I think, tra- yeah, transport commissioner. Transport commissioner. So he plays a really big role, and obviously his background, he's, he's very keen on promoting active travel. But he was a little bit more complimentary than Cycling UK as to the direction the UK as a whole is going in. You know, isn't all necessarily bad news. Yeah, so he, he was complimentary of one government paper, which is called Bus Back Better, which is all about improving active transport, improving how people can get around cities, and thinking about the integration of how people you know, get from the house to the bus and mm-hmm. then and then through town and, and, and all those kind of things so they, they don't have to drive. So, and he described, because he works closely with Andy Burnham, who's the mayor of Manchester, and he said that Andy was in suspicious agreement with the government <laughs> because, you know, his politics is very different from the Conservative government that we've got in this country. Yeah, so he, he was generally way more positive. And I th- I think he kind of, I think this is what happens when, People are in positions which he's in. It's, he's working. He's working very close, and he kind of wants things to work really mm. well. And you know, Manchester just received one billion to get invested in transport. So mm. I think I think they're feeling they're feeling good at the moment, and they're obviously doing very positive things. They're just releasing a kind of a rent hire a bike scheme mm. and stuff. So um, it's interesting because I think I think there are good things happening, but as you know, as Boardman says, it's about people like him, groups like Cycling UK continuing to keep the pressure on so that money keeps coming, as yeah. opposed to it being something that now COP26 has ended, kind of fades back into the background. Because yeah. you saw a lot of people making these commitments in the run-up to COP26. Mm. And whether they continue or not is another question. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's grand gestures are very easy to forget. And one of the things that Cycling UK were keen to 
press in your piece is that for people to make change a meaningful change locally it really does have to kind of come from individuals and and local groups pushing who better understand you know the pressures and i guess the practicalities of encouraging cycling in their areas because yeah it, you know the money has to be there in the first place from central government but that was their kind of overriding message wasn't it yeah totally i mean i think i think they're quite chris boardman and cycling uk are two quite interesting people groups mm. to put side by side because chris boardman is interested in where the money's coming from what the infrastructure mm. looks like as soon as you ask him about you know how how do we change people's behavior he kind of I, well, I did ask him that and he kind of put his hands up and he said, you know, I, you have to speak to a comms, mm-hmm. <laughs> someone who deals in comms or whatever to to speak about that. And that's what Cycling UK do. You know, they're big into advocating for cycling. Mm-hmm. They want to get a million more people cycling and they want that to be, in terms of diversity, be reflective of the population. Mm-hmm. So they, they're setting themselves huge goals, but really important goals. And a lot of that comes down to making cycling safer. So you know, they do work with policy as well, but it's also about speaking to communities, helping people fix their bikes um, and just making it, making the idea of cycling more normal and mm. making it seem like a less hard thing to partake in. How do you feel about it as a whole? Because, you know, I, I'll come on, I'll say after, but, you know, Boardman himself said that the whole thing he finds quite emotionally rinsing was the turn of phrase he used, which I think is really apt. Um, he's really much in that cut and thrust of day-to-day advocacy. But as a sort of, as a measure of how things are going to progress, you know, how do you feel though in comparison in terms of where we're going in terms of encouraging everyone to cycle more? <laughs> I mean, it's really tricky. It's hard to it's hard to know what the answer to that question is because mm. I think you can, cycling is obviously going through a boom, mm. but what shape is that boom taking? Who's Who's cycling? What bikes are they buying? Mm. What sorts of cycling are they doing? You know, I, I kind of empathise with Chris Boardman saying it's emotionally rinsing because as soon as you start really thinking about it and scratching underneath the surface of cycling is great, it can help cut mm. emissions, it's a real can of worms. And it's a really tricky thing to get your head around and also unpack exactly what's happening. I think there's a lot of doom and gloom studies out there mm-hmm. and statistics so you know in terms of car use in 2010 there was 50 million suvs mm-hmm. now there's 280 million <laughs> yeah if you if you look at you know the emissions saved by electric cars were cancelled out by suvs last year and as soon as you start thinking about that it's like wow this is just this is bad mm-hmm. but and i i do i empathize with I can't. I, I do share Chris Boardman's uh, statement or you know remarks that quoted in the piece where he says we need to get people speaking this language that cycling is great and it's mm. and it's normalised and I think that is shifting and hopefully the cycling boom that we've seen in the industry can turn into people commuting by bike becoming more normal and and by and and cycling going from strength to strength and more people doing it but I think it's the same with when you see people like Boardman and Cycling UK saying, you know, these commitments are great, these these policy ideas are great, this money's great, and but we need more of it. And I think I'm hopeful 
by where it looks the conversation is going and how and how things are going to change. But it's almost case by case and day by day. And mm. maybe when, you know, we see what the next budget is like, we see if more people are cycling. It's it's kind of, I think, always looking for that constant approval of good things happening rather than... Yeah, yeah. I feel a bit cruel asking you to have written this play, piece in the first place. We've put you through the emotional ringer on this one. I know. It's. I mean, it's really, it's a really tricky thing because... you. I think also when you're trying to write something like that, you're trying to you're dealing with like horribly huge things, mm. and also there's a lot of stuff that didn't go into that piece. And mm. I spoke to various other people, but it just didn't fit, and it's kind of a shame. But you know, um, and it's endless, and and the ramifications are endless. You know, as soon as you start talking about electric cars, you want to think about well, okay, well, how they're made. Mm. Um, same for bikes. Same for bikes. Yeah, you know, electric bikes. Mm. Didn't talk about electric bikes. It's true. I think for me, like I, I, I am positive. I do think missing out on cycling as a whole at COP26 was a huge blow. Really, like I think it, it was a real chance to, uh, yeah, I don't know, just normalize it as you say and bring that conversation to the the biggest table in the room. <laughs> and I, like I'm perhaps a bit shattered, and I, you know, I've been a cyclist for my whole life, and it's very normalized in my sort of day to day life to be cycling, and I forget that barriers do exist for people to to cycling practical as well as kind of emotionally and whenever we kind of run or put a piece uh, like this up on site it does just kind of remind you how yeah how far we've got to go and i hope i I am hopeful that um we can encourage more things but i think it'll take people like you and me stand and everybody else to hopefully encourage more cycling at our local level where it feels like you have a bit more control it's you know it's the same with so many things in politics and life where you read stuff like this and you feel quite powerless <laughs> at times. But with our position of immense authority in the cycling industry, we'll do our absolute best to try and turn that around. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, Stan's piece is on bikeradar.com. It's very, very good. And I highly recommend you read it. If anything, just for the very erudite and interesting quotes from the ever wonderful Chris Boardman, a very soothing and clever man as a whole. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on, Stan, and we'll hopefully see you on the podcast again soon. Yeah, thank you very much, Jack. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bike Radar.